you're listening to a Big MX Radio Podcast. Brought to you by Arma Energy. Presented by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, X-Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Roy Borton Suspension, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Simply the best, motocross and supercross news from around the globe. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, and Just One Helmets. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and with me on the line, a repeat offender, third time on the show. He's the 1988 East Coast 125 National Supercross Champion, sorry. None other than Todd DeHoop. Todd, how's it going, brother? Good. Very good. Right on, brother. Making the, making the drive home. Making the long hard drive home after a hard day's work, man. Uh, so it's, uh, it's it's got to be an exciting week for you. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's uh, coming off the riders. I didn't do exactly what I wanted, but you know it's it's the next couple weeks. They're gonna be you know they're gonna be some pretty intense weeks, and I'm uh, looking forward to to getting out there and uh, doing the best I can. So it's. Uh, it's been, you know, it's uh, been I've been riding a lot, and uh, my speed's good, and so I'm I'm feeling pretty good. Hundred uh, percent on the line here with da- Todd DeHoop. Uh, you're on your way home from work, Todd. Um, you just a few weeks removed from uh, your uh, your return to Loretta Lynn's after uh, quite a number of years removed uh, in the forty five or the forty five. Yep. Senior 45, yeah. fifth overall, 9-3-3 were your moto scores. Uh, how did it shake out? What uh, what time of day did your motos end up falling down? And uh, congratulations on ending up in front of a lot of uh, like big-name guys. You ended up in front of guys like uh, Pedro Gonzalez, Donald Baker, and uh, even Kerry Wisdom. Yeah, you know, I remember okay. I mean, the problem was is, my mo- my first moto was at ten thirty in the morning, and it was the track was pretty good. It was a little soft, and you know it was pretty ruddy everywhere. So um, I got the whole shot, and I was going really well. And me and John Gruley were battling, and he got by me uh, just before the Ten Commandments, and uh, so we were racing pretty strong. Went through there, and then went through the zigzag section, and. They had a, where the Honda double was, and then there was a triple. Well, I was hitting that double, and then basically kind of seat bouncing the triple, and uh, I just I did not get a good drive and came up short and got pitched over the bars going into those ruts, and and basically there's it kind of makes a, a right dog leg there with a drop away, and I went off over the bars over the ledge and ended up hitting, you know, landing on my head, and, and I got a little... Got a concussion, and I was a little bit. I mean, I got back up, um, and I was—I don't even know what place I was, but I worked my way back up to ninth. I mean, it seemed like I was there forever because I couldn't find my bike, and that was the big thing. Is my bike had landed on the inside of the track, on the inner part of the, the jump section, and I landed outside on the flat, hard dirt. So I couldn't find my bike, and being uh, hit my head so hard, it kind of shook me up. Where I was, I was kind of delirious and didn't know what was going on and the people started yelling for me to you know you know point at where the bike was so i ran over there and it took me a while to i was pretty disoriented got the, got the bike up and it was it had landed in a big kind of mucky area so the whole left handlebar shifter area shroud area was just packed full of mud so it took me a couple of minutes to get the mud out of the shifter area and once i got it <laughs> started and took off and yeah, I just yeah, you know, I just did not have a. a I mean, I I rode okay. I just didn't have a good pace to get going towards the front again. It took it took a little bit, you know, out of me, and it bummed me out because you know you throw it away in the first race, and basically it just kind of tears up the rest of the week for you. So 
uh, you know, basically, I mean, it did one of two things. I mean, it, it bummed me out, but then it also took all the pressure off of, you know, really having to go gung ho and finish, you know, you know, up front. So I, I did, uh, then I had a load of the next day, um, on, uh, was Wednesday and, uh, I was pretty stiff. My neck was sore. My head still hurt. And I ended up, there was a, that moto was a four o'clock or yeah, it was four o'clock in the afternoon. So it was pretty much the heat of the day and, and rough and the track was really rough. In fact, everyone that I had talked to said that it's the roughest it's ever been. So, I mean, they had it tons of fans and they weren't, they weren't, you know, basically they weren't attending to it a ton. I mean, they were letting it stay rough. So that was, uh, you know, it, it, Definitely, I wasn't ready for the 112-degree heat index plus the track being that rough. And, I mean, I, I rode okay. I, I mean, I just could not get a rhythm going, which really screwed me up. And every time you know, I felt okay, I just wasn't I just wasn't in a charging pace. I just kind of rode. And that, that you know, I, I got a third in that moto. And then the, the last moto, which was at 1.30 in the afternoon, and it cooled off a little bit on Friday. Um, I had, uh, I got, you know, I got the whole shot again and I was running actually really good. I, I felt pretty good and, um, I was battling with John and I made a couple mistakes. I went inside and got, I got kind of stuck in a berm that blew out and, and uh, came out of that and he passed me around the outside in, in a good corner. And, and, uh, so then I stayed right on him and I went uh, back into the mechanics area and, uh, came through that the big or the uh the uh back shoot thing where they have the board and stuff and i went in and and uh front end washed over in the in the corner going into that and barry carson got by me and then it was uh you know i was a little bit behind but yeah i don't know i just i mean i felt good but just did not put it together very well so then you know once again got third and it was a fifth overall and i i believe i was you know i rode I rode as a third uh, third place player, but I just didn't, you know, uh, have one bad moto. I didn't, I didn't deserve anything better than that. But it is what it is. I uh, it made me definitely. It was an eye opener on what the track is about, what what kind of bike works well there, and I, I think that conditioning, obviously, for the heat is is you know a, a real strong point there. I mean, it was it was very humid and very hot and we were very fortunate that it wasn't muddy or, or rain very hard but i guess it works both ways i'm a real good mud rider so that would have worked in my fortune so but but you know i it, it, it is what it is i i was i was kind of bummed with my performance because i ride better it just uh it just uh went that way so well, after that uh, dismount in the first moto, yeah, like you said, you're able to uh, put your head down, a little bit less uh, pressure on the shoulders, and and put in some good rides, finding yourself between uh, Dag Boys and, and Barry Karsten, a couple of guys that I imagine you probably banged bards with uh, a couple of decades ago. Um, what was it like uh, reconnecting with some of the guys that uh, you've swapped paint with uh, of, of yesteryear, as well as uh, seeing uh, some, some guys that were probably uh, just cutting their teeth in the pro pro ranks uh returning back to uh the ranch as well yeah i you know it was a lot of fun just the whole camaraderie of hanging out and seeing all the the different levels of riding and and talking to different people and i got to talk to you know a lot of obviously a lot of the guys that i rode with um you know barry and john and, and dag and and uh there was a lot of guys that you know, I had not seen for years. Um, you know, I got to see and talk to Tim Ferry and his wife and, and the Deans, which is, is Evie's parents. And we used to stay with them and just, just many people that you, you know, don't spend the time ever seen again because you're in so many different parts of the country. So it's one of those things where you get to kind of all come together and have a, a great fellowship and just and enjoy each other's company and talk about the old times and, and that was, you know, that was a lot of fun. And my, my daughters and my wife, you know, they got to be part of it. And my daughters being, they had never, had never seen me race before and had no experience with that kind of situation. You know, it, they had a really good time. They had actually 
you know, towards the end of the the week, they were already asking if we could come back next year. And, you know, for, for girls at the, the ages between 14 and 16, when you have, I don't even know what, five, six, 8,000 boys in the, in the realm of 10 to 23, <laughs> you know, you know, as the big thing was, is, you know, I, <laughs> I told them, I said, you know, Every time you talk to any of these guys at ride, I said, just remember one thing. Everything that comes out of their mouth is a lie. <laughs> so, <laughs> They're so totally liars. Yeah. Yeah. So basically I just, you know, I just said, you know, I don't care. You guys hang out do whatever you want. Have, have a good time. I said, but you know, just, just, you know, be sensible, you know, and uh, remember that I was one, you know, once part of this whole thing and I know how it works and, well, I, I'm very fortunate that both of my girls are really, really intelligent. They have really smart heads on their shoulders, and they, uh, you know, they they tend to be able to read uh, the BS quite quickly. And and uh, so, it, you know, and they found it pretty amusing because they, you know, had a lot of the times that they were had, you know, boys and guys following them around and you know, basically stalking them and stuff like that. And it's just like, you know, they're very strong-willed and strong-headed, so they just would, you know basically tell me, you know, you need to knock it off or whatever. So, but, you know, they had a good time. They got to meet a lot of people, a lot of neat people. And, uh, and they got a lot of friends out of it and got connected with a lot of people all over the country. And, and, uh, and it opened their eyes up more to the sport also, because now they can follow those riders that were down there, uh, competing and, and trying to, to become someone in the sport. And so now they have, you know, Instagram and, and Twitter and all that. And they get to follow those, those other riders that they, you know, became friends with. So. Absolutely. And also, uh, um, in a lot of ways, a small look, uh, for your daughters into, uh, into what it would have been like for a, a young Todd to hoop coming through the ranks, uh, of, of all these young riders who, uh, are so hopeful and, and so, uh, wanting to, do the best they can, and and uh, they've they've got uh, their futures are riding on uh, their own shoulders, and they're able to kind of take their uh, their destiny in, in, destiny in their own hands a little bit, and uh, like the, the pressure this the pressures that are assumed with all that. Uh, do you remember much about uh, going to to the ranch as, as a young rider, or even any nationals, and? Uh, Feeling that type of pressure that they're uh, like uh, I, I give a hockey analogy that some, some scouts in the in the stands sort of thing uh, that um, that you you really felt like you needed to put down your best effort. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, back then, it I had I'd always from in the eighty class I was you know a, a good rider from the eighty class on, and so I'd had substantial amount of support from Yamaha all the way from the 80, like 12 to 15 stock and mod, like expert and all that, all the way going through. And I had really strong support from Yamaha and had moved up through the ranks. And there was many years that, you know, and it's the same thing. I, I see the same thing over and over again. You go down there, it's a three moto format and you go down there and you have guys that are really fast two motos and then they have one moto like I did and they throw it away and it screws up their whole overall for the week. And I mean, I saw Joey crown go from like dead last to the front of the pack only to get hit by a lapper and knock him off the track, stall his bike, start dead last again and work his way all the way to like in the top 10. And then he had other motos in that same class where he went one, one, two. And then that one moto screwed up his whole overall. I mean, but he was very fortunate to to win a class yet because he, he did put together three motos in, in another class. And, you know, it's the same situation where I saw like Jake Masterpool. I mean, incredibly fast, really impressive on a motorcycle. I was, you know, really, really impressed with how well he rode a two-stroke 125 in the, the 250. I don't know if it was B. I want to say it was B. It had to been modded because that bike was crazy fast. And he went from like, I want to say 25th, 28th. And by the end of the moto, he was second and closing on uh, Justin Cooper. And I mean, I don't want 25 and they were riding 250Fs. And I mean, I've, I haven't seen someone ride a 125 two stroke that fast in a long time. And then in the 250 or in the, on the four, or, uh, the four stroke 250 in the limited class, 
he he won his, he won his moto and and then he like the the next race he ended up crashing out and doing some internal ends like you know he like he bruised his spleen or something like that and couldn't race for the rest of the week and he was probably one of the fastest guys out there that was you know i mean obviously you know you had the the a riders and stuff but all those guys like chase sexton and, and faulkner and all those guys were all running in the 156 153 154 range and that's you know, it was just crazy fast how good those guys are. No doubt. And uh, just uh, quick to your your comment about uh, Joey there, uh, a kid that came up. Uh, how old is Joey again? 15. 15 years old. Can't turn uh, yeah. pro in, uh, in the States. But uh, at 14 years old, you can line up on the gate for a Canadian national. Came up here along with uh, Darian Sinai. And uh, the two of them put the boots to uh, the kids up here in Canada. The kid comes away with a, uh, with an overall. Um, you must have yeah, seen he's this not, kid he's running not slow by any means. He's really fast. Yeah. Like, and uh, basically jumps in with... Uh, with um, Kevin Benoit and um, and of course uh, Jimmy Jimmy Dakotas uh, and just like he, he walked away from everybody. It just it's just a, a, a cool look into uh, the the cultivating uh, riders of like that how much talent you see coming out of uh, a race like Loretta Lynn's uh, and a tight track at, at that. Yeah, and that was you know like when we're getting back to the original question, you know, like for me, I kind of got you know kind of got off, offline, but. It, there was a lot of pressure just because with all the support that you had from Yamaha and all the other riders, I mean, back when I was racing, the Michigan mafia was just ridiculous. I mean, we had, we had 10 to 20 guys that could win Loretta's in like all in the expert and B classes at any moment. I mean, that's how many, how strong we were back then. There was just numerous guys that were fast. And so going down there and you got, you know, guys like Donnie Schmidt and, and Mark Melton and these guys that were, you know, all mid Midwest and, and then, and a lot of the West coast guys would come in and they would struggle a little bit. They'd go really fast at Ponca and then they'd go just decent at, at Loretta because it was more East coast, deep ruts. And, and it was a tough deal. And me and Donnie had numerous battles at, at Loretta Lynn's. I mean, I won one year, he won the, the next year. And in fact, we took each other. He took me out um, on the second lap. I had won, I got a second, a first, and it was the last moto. And we went, and it was the second lap. And he took me out just after, before you go into the Ten Commandments, he took me out in that corner. And I ended up finishing, I don't know, like 13th. I went 1, 2, 13 for like fifth overall so so yeah we had numerous battles and there was i mean there was pressure because like you say you're you're entering your pro career you're 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 putting out the name for yourself and trying to impress as many people to get you to you know just sign up for for the for the big deal no doubt no it's it seems like uh, you gotta turn heads and it's all gotta happen right now and uh the the pressure's on uh especially for these kids nowadays where there's so much um there's so much exposure to it like we know exactly who got what and what position immediately as soon as the races are uh, some most of them are even live on on uh television you can watch them on uh the mx sports tv and uh and and see these things in live action whereas back back in your day it might have been uh posted on uh cycle news or some, or a local publication um if, if if a rider has a bad day, uh, the whole motocross world knows about it right away. Uh, a lot of pressure to have for uh, for a youngster uh, just trying to make their way. Yeah, and I think that also affects. It really does affect the um, the responsibility and how fast they become independent in themselves. I mean, because you see kids that are, you know, eight, nine, ten years old that. I mean, they're a hundred percent. I mean, it's even, I mean, I've seen guys that are six, seven years old, that they're a hundred percent serious about this yeah. is what they're going to do for the rest of their life. I mean, it's just like, you know, it, it's crazy that they're just like focused. And I mean, and I think that's great to a point, but once again, 
you have numerous kids out there that ride their butt off, do all the stuff, go to all the training facilities, do everything they can, and then get to a point where they're going to turn pro. And, you know, there's, there's a very limited pyramid of people that make it. And those people that are strong-headed and big-hearted, you know, make it and, and do everything they can. They make it and, and finish in the top five, top ten, even top 20 in a pro event. But you get those guys that have done all that stuff and they come to their first race and they go five races where they don't even crack the top 20, top 30. And they're like, what have I, what have I done all my life? Why? I mean, what's the, you know, the problem is, is you got 40 guys on the line that have done everything they've done all their life to do the same thing. And it's super competitive. And so you get a new guy coming in like any year, it's, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of guys that are bitter because they don't, you know, that's, they're taking a spot away from them. So the, the, everybody has big hopes, but the problem is, is they get big hopes crushed and dreams crushed because they go out and they finish five, six races and, and not very good. And all of a sudden they're, they're second guessing themselves and they're trying to, okay, well now what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my life? Cause you know, they've, <laughs> they've ate, you know, slapped bread all of motocross their whole entire life. And now it's like, now they're questioning what their life is about. And so that just, you know, makes it much more difficult for them to become successful unless they light the world on fire right away. And there's only like one uh, half percent of those riders that do that. Absolutely. And there's only, uh, and there's, uh, there's even a smaller fraction of those guys who actually make it and then stick. I think of a guy like, uh, and, I, and I hope that he ends up uh, having a great uh, career, Zach Bell. Um, lit it up in amateurs, crazy fast, all kinds of support. Uh, I, at some point, at one point, he was a Kawasaki kid. He kind of graduated through the Geico program uh, and since has had a hard time not having the the injury bug a little bit and that's very difficult to see to see a rider that uh had the speed had the support all of a sudden uh things don't go well at the pro level and it's a huge hit to these these kids confidence something that uh, a lot of them uh they've they've never experienced losing and that's even something that i find that uh riders at the local level though they'll, they'll they'll be fast on 50s they're fast on 65s they're fast on 85s they get to the b class or the c class and they, they light things up and all of a sudden you're in there with men in the a class or the pro level and uh things get real really quick and uh sometimes kids move up a little bit too fast and um they've never had they've never had to deal with losing and uh that's a tough pill to swallow yeah for sure and you know i just want i guess i want to touch on a, on a quick subject here i mean i look at a lot of guys okay and, you know they're they're all out there and they're they're doing their thing and you know i'm i'm 47 years old and I've seen and done a ton in this industry and been all over the world racing. And I look at my career and I had a great time and I had a lot of fun and I got to see a ton of places and it was a, a huge honor to do what I did. But yet I also look back and I look at all the things that I could have changed and I could have, I uh, could have made my career so much better and different by just tweaking a few things and putting forth a different effort here and a different effort there. And, you know, I just look at riders that I, I see today that are having difficulties in certain areas. And, you know, I, I look at like a guy like, I'm like Justin Hill is, you know, number 32, same number I had. I mean, my best number was 18, but we're talking Right now, he's number 32, and I don't, you know, he's picked that number or what, but he's an incredibly fast rider, very mm -hmm. gifted on the motorcycle, very well-spoken. Um, he has a great personality. But I look at him, and I say to myself, what is he not doing to capitalize on his lifelong goal of being successful in this in this industry? So I look at him, and I say, I mean, I literally want to sit down and say, I did the same exact thing as what you're doing right now. I put in all my time, but what are you doing right now? That is not enough to become the top level athlete, the top level rider that is obviously Dungey and, and, you know, 
what you know, obviously Villapoto put in his time and, and and you know, all the guys that are doing everything they can right now to make it happen. And because I mean I like him. I like him as a writer, I like him as as a personality, I like him as you know, the way he talks, he speaks, he and and he, you know, commands himself on in an interview and I just look at him and I think, You need to be doing more and because ten years from now you're gonna be kicking yourself every day because you didn't do that extra. And whatever that extra is. Because I you know, I, I've talked to numerous riders like Jeff Emig and he said to me, you know, he would train so hard that he would throw up afterwards and then he would train some more and then he would think, I'm not doing enough. And I mean, obviously there's a certain point where you're having reverse effects on your body, but you need with the technology today and all the people that you're surrounded with, you should have the right communication between the rider, the mechanic, the trainer, everything else to get you to where you have to be. Cause I mean, they're, they're very, unlimited in what they have to offer compared to what we had back then. And so I think that I look at him and as just one person and because I look at him and I like him as a rider, I say to myself, what could I do to help him? What could I do to make him a better rider? I mean, I, you know, I tried to, you know, decipher what it is that he needs and, you know, because he's been extremely impressive in the past. And so right now I just, I want to I be able to help, but I don't know what, I mean, I, I know things, but I just, you know, I want him to take a look at it and say to himself, what do I need to do to, to get to the top level? Hey, this is Jared Steinke, and we're going to commercial. We'll be right back. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable sweat-absorbing liner and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice are just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. When it comes to helmets, there is just one. The helmet brand that is. Just One Helmets is tailor-made for motocross and street bike riding, and now available in North America. Who chooses Just One? Well, for starters, Tim Geiser, winner of the Italian round in MX2, David Philipparts, Vicky Golden, Trevor Reese, as well as David Pulley. And you know what? So do I. I choose Just One Helmets because they are simply the safest, lightest, and most comfortable lid available. Want to know more about Just One Helmets? Check them out on the web at www.justonehelmets.com. Find out about the J12, the J32, and all of the colorways that are absolutely blow your socks off. So guys, please head over to www.justonehelmets.com today. Go check them out. You won't be disappointed. Much 2014 X-Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. 
from the Scatter-X, Volcano, and Phantom Goggle, X-Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X-Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear-offs, zip-off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, if they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to dubyausa.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown rebuild on your forks or, or shock. Call up Roy Borton today at 204-633-2722. Bill's Pipes, the home of legendary performance. Since 1974, Bill's Pipes has been providing motocross and off-road riders the performance they need. Two-stroke or four-stroke, Bill's Pipes has the exhaust system for you. In recent years, we've seen a resurgence of the Bill's Pipes brand, and that's great news. And that's great news for motocross racers everywhere. For four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to dominate the fight on any brand. For you two-stroke guys, the MX2 Bill's Pipes exhaust system is the right one for the job and comes in works, nickel, and the all-new cone look finish that'll turn heads all day long. Head to BillsPipes.com right now and get the same pipe used by Billy Lidinovich, Vicky Golden, the JMR Suzuki team, Jesse Pierce, Nico Izzy, and David Cole. Bill's Pipes is craftsmanship at its finest. So go with Bill's Pipes and never settle. Is that something that you would uh, ever consider doing uh, as as the years go by? Do, like uh, being a, a rider coach, uh, similar to uh, a buddy Antonez, taking guys under their yeah. Their I, I have bit. a lot to offer in that way, but you know the problem is it always it always comes down to um, lifestyle, and and yep. with me, I have a, a demanding job. I work a lot of hours. I have a lot of people that rely on me. Um, I, I'm very responsible with, with the job I have. I, I travel a lot. My customers are very, very demanding. The industry that I'm in is extremely busy. Um, it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, my first love is racing motorcycles. My first love is, is being part of that. And that's why I still ride a lot. I still enjoy doing it. And I still like going to the races. I still love watching the races, but the problem is, is that, avenue in that industry is very limited it's very and and, you know to be honest i don't believe it pays very well so to make a living you know just 
you know, helping riders and doing that, it, it's a difficult thing. And then also there's a lot of riders out there with the same background as me that are, have been more successful. And, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of the riders, when they leave this sport, they're burned out. They don't want anything to do with it. They don't want, they hate riding their motorcycle. They, they don't want to look at a motorcycle nor talk about racing. I mean, a perfect example of that is, is Larry Ward. I mean, he hates riding a motorcycle. He doesn't like it at all. He doesn't even like to even talk about it. And that's wild. it's just, it's just one of those things where he had so much and had did it for so long and was so consumed by it. Once he got away from it, his life became much more important because his love is hunting and, and guns and, and being a scout and, and a hunter and a guide. I mean, he is, he's the epitome of great at that. So, I mean, that's his first love. And so, I mean, he just is really, really exceptionally good at something you love and that's what he does. So it's, it's one of those things where he got away from it and then he flourished. I mean, don't get me wrong. He was a great writer, did a lot of things, but he's, I think he's done much more now. hundred percent and, and doing well with it. Uh, tough to get him on a podcast. I, I doubt he'd even want to, uh, to chat about moto, but, uh, I've, I think I've, I've heard, uh, rumblings that, uh, he, he's passed up those opportunities. But uh, not 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 so uh, not such thing for a uh, a legend like yourself, a guy who uh, in uh, just a few days' time will line up with uh, some fellow legends for uh, this weekend's legends race in uh, in Ironman uh, down in um, Indiana, Crawfordsville, yeah, Crawfordsville, yeah. Indiana. No, yeah, I'm just hoping that the weather it, that the weather holds out. It looks like it's going to be good. Um, looking at uh, 84 degrees and uh, partly cloudy, and I hope the rain holds off. They're, they're showing maybe rain for Sunday, but uh, yeah, I'm going to be going down uh, Friday, and I think we have a practice at four, and then uh, we have a practice in the morning, and then um, yeah, I've heard off and ons about how serious this is, and uh, you know, I, I I I hope that you know we're running five laps and you know, I've been riding a ton. I mean, I ride a ton and I know I'm in five laps is nothing. I mean, I can do that all day long at full speed, but you know, I, I understand what they're coming from. They don't want anyone getting hurt. And, you know, I, they understand that a lot of the riders are not in shape and they don't ride that much. And, and I understand their point of view. And so I, you know, for me, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to ride around with the guys. I'm going to, I'm going to put some pressure on as many guys as I can, um, riding a good pace, but you know, obviously I'm not, I'm not down there to, to hurt anybody or, or get out of control or even hurt myself. I mean, obviously I have the, uh, that motocross designations in uh, like three, four weeks. So I got to be ready for that. And that's, that's the big preparation right now. So. Absolutely. Where, uh, where exactly is the vet designations this year? Uh, and, uh, do you, do you know what, what, uh, what motorcycle you'll be on? Yeah. Uh, that motocross designations is at Farley Castle and uh, in England, and it's uh, it's uh, in Britain. Yeah, it's uh, by the uh, uh, what do they call that? Uh, Stonehenge. It's like uh, it's not very far from Stonehenge, from what I've been told. But uh, I fly. I'll be flying out uh, the tenth uh, of September and be over there till the fourteenth. And and uh, it's uh, Doug Dubach and uh, John Dowd and Trampus Parker and myself. And, uh, I'm, I'm going to be riding a 1989, uh, works RM 250, uh, that guy, guy Cooper nice. rode a couple years ago. Um, uh, Dubox going to be riding a no lean YZ 360. Um, and Dow will be riding the KX with, with Scott goggles but, and, uh, and no fear or O'Neill gear. All right. And then, uh, <laughs> Dow will be riding a Kawasaki KX 500. And uh, Trampus is going to be riding, uh, I believe, a uh, one of uh, RC Honda Works uh, 250. So, yeah, like I think they're all 89, uh, 89.90-ish bikes. So, but uh, from what I've heard, the bikes are really trick over there. I mean, they this is big time serious. So, I mean, these guys take the, all those motorcycles really serious. They have evidently those guys buy up every works part every everything ever developed or or produced they suck it up somehow 
and uh, they got a lot of really trick motorcycles. So. No doubt, uh, exciting to uh, to head over there. Um, like, uh, like how how do you? What's the format? How do you? How does the United States win that event? Um, you know, I think it's very similar to the actual traditional motocross designations. I think it's you know it's a three moto format, and I think it's your best overall points score. I think they do it very similar over there. So, you know, obviously highest finish will be last points or whatever. And uh, the, the team that wins out with uh, the lowest point score, I think, is the overall winner. Um, I believe, uh, from what I heard, I think we got third last year. Um, I believe it was uh, Germany and then England and then the United States last year. So, so I mean, obviously, obviously, I'm hoping to better that. Um, I would like to go over and, and ride good, ride smart, and uh, obviously stay off the ground and put put down some good finishes and put us in a position to uh, to win. How much time do you have on an 89 250? I have a lot of years and a lot of time on the uh, the the year between 88 and 93 Suzuki RMs. A lot okay, of time. Okay, great. So that's uh, spine yeah. frame steel, um, and uh, yeah, very. It's like it. It, it should feel like a, um, a tightened up version of a of, of a familiar glove. Yeah, and you know what's funny is is the first year RM two fifty in eighty nine is you know that they went to that uh, the first the uh, inverted upside down fork on that year and they were really really bad i mean they were we tested and tested and they were really harsh and did not have a good mid stroke they were very very harsh through the mid stroke and it was very hard to control um but i'm fortunate that this bike that i'm riding it has complete and total white power suspension front and rear so i don't have to worry about i don't have to worry about the harshness so it uh should handle actually pretty good so Perfect, man. Well, it, uh, it's too bad you can't uh, have that bike for this weekend's uh, race because uh, a guy. Well, uh, you know, this this week everyone's riding four fifties. Oh, okay, right up. Yeah, everyone's riding full on four fifty race bikes, so it's going to be. I mean, unless I know, I know um, Tommy Hoffmaster, I think is riding maybe a two fifty two stroke, but I'm not sure. I, I did see that he's riding. He rides a two fifty two stroke. So, but I mean, there's a there's a few guys. I'm sure that'll be riding two strokes, but I'm riding my my uh kawasaki 450 so perfect well i gotta imagine with uh, having just come off loretta's uh you should have some uh some some good starts in you as well as uh might be able to mix it up with a guy like robbie Raynard or something like that yeah i mean uh, i mean my starts are actually really good right now i think uh we raced at the vet fest uh this past weekend at Redbud, and uh i won I won three. I, I rode three classes. I rode. I won three motos out of six, and then John Gruy won the other three motos. And so it was a great weekend. We both uh, pressured each other uh, quite a bit, and uh, I think I whole shot uh, five motos out of six. Just uh, yeah, he was better than me in three, and I was better than him in three. So, but it was uh, yeah, my whole shots are down. So my bike's running good. Um, you know. Babbitt has got it tuned up, and uh, Yoshimura's got that that thing hooking, you know, getting the power to the ground. So uh, I'm, I'm I'm real happy, you know, with it so far. Uh, you know, Enzo's got the suspension working great, so you know we'll be we'll be ready for the rough rough bumps down there. Perfect, and I can see uh, you still haven't lost your touch with the uh, the post race interviews, getting all those sponsors in there. Well, you know. If there's anything I can pass on to the riders, it's definitely to properly thank your sponsors and, and plug them the way they should be because they do a ton of work uh, helping and providing for all the riders out there. And, you know, if there's anything you could possibly do to promote their product, I mean, you should be doing leaps and bounds to do it because, I mean, stuff today is not cheap. It's not cheap to produce. It's not cheap to market. And it surely is not cheap to give away. So if you can get out there and promote that product, I mean, that's, that's the only thing you can do as a rider to benefit them. I mean, that's your job is to promote their product and make people want to buy it. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's about as, as firm as I can put it. 
In addition to that awesome list of sponsors, I believe not too long ago you secured a brand new one, uh, hooking up with uh, the guys over at Rhino Power. Tell me a little bit about uh, the Rhino Power supplements and uh, how they're helping you out. Well, I tell you what, you know, it's a great company. Uh, I hooked up with them at uh, Loretta Lens, and uh, they, you know, sat me down and kind of showed me what I was doing wrong and and what I hadn't uh, didn't have in my in my system, and and uh, we uh, I got on the program, and uh, those guys, uh, you know, I, I'm feeling really good, and my body, uh, you know, is lacking some certain minerals and definitely some certain things, and uh, you know, a lot of recovery. You know, in the recovery process, after you ride hard and stuff like that, you you lose a lot of your certain minerals and and vitamins and a lot of different stuff. And after uh, riding with the stuff and 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 taking the recovery and the motivation and and uh, the different uh, products that they have, I tell you what, I feel a hundred percent better. And I'm um, really really uh, noticing riding the bike, the endurance, and maybe the lack of arm pump. Now I'm just uh, I feel really strong and. I mean, 20 minutes, you know, super strong all the way, you know, and and that was the before I, you know, the last two or three laps, I was having having a, a hard time getting that those last two laps at full race speed, and you know, now I, I've been uh, on it for about three weeks and uh, doing the program, and I tell you what, it's it's made a big difference. It just you know makes me feel like I'm at my peak and uh, like I used to uh, used to be. So yeah. Uh, Ryan and uh, and both Ryans there at, at uh, Rhino Power, they're just, uh, they hooked me up and uh, really appreciate them doing that for me. Well, no doubt, especially uh, as a, uh, a mature racer. Um, obviously, uh, this is the uh, your recovery time is, is not as quickly uh, as uh, the younger athletes. And uh, having some supplements uh, at your disposal to uh, make sure that uh, you're able to uh, ride to your best ability as safely as possible uh, with good nutrition and all that all helps out to uh, add up to... Um, a lot of uh, a lot of great races ahead, as well as uh, I'm sure many more trips back to uh, the ranch. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, just you know, with that kind of backing, you know, it's it just it gives you that much more confidence. You know, you're doing all the right the right things. You're training, you're riding, and then you got the supplements on top of it, making you feel good. It, uh, it's the you know, right concoction to get to get out there and and, and put uh, put down some some good heater laps and uh, ride with confidence and get some good finishes. So I'm I'm really happy that I have them on board. For sure, and, and and not only just uh, like a lot of guys have received received criticism for uh, just listing off sponsors, but uh, I like the way you did that. The uh, the tires are helping me uh, hook up out there. The suspension is helping me soak up all the bumps. Uh, those Evo graphics, making sure the bike looks good on the line and as it, and as it crosses the finish line, stuff like that. Um, yeah. Just like not only what they are, but how are they helping you? And um, yeah, I, I I think that would be good if if more guys were able to uh, lay it down like you. Yeah, and I think that just comes it comes down to the point of sitting down. I mean, sitting down and writing out to yourself what what would make me more appealing to my sponsors and more appealing to the people that come to see me. I mean, obviously, you don't want to just stand up there and throw down a bunch of names, you know, in a meteorocracy kind of way where you just like, boom, 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 boom. I mean, I'd say 90, probably 90% of the people that are watching Supercross motocross are very familiar with what rider has for sponsors and who they are and what they do. But for you to go out there and, and talk about them and, and plug them the way they properly should be plugged, I think that's, you know, because, you know, women or small children or, you know, young people, they don't know, exactly know. If you said Scott, you know, not 100% of people know that that's a goggle. So you say, exactly. you know, obviously, if you, you explain to them that I, I saw clearly through my Scott goggles while I was racing and they, and they protected me from the roost. And, you know, obviously, you put that that visual in their, in their head. And all of a sudden, even a five-year-old going, Oh, I want Scott goggles. And you know, so it's, that's the thing you need to get out there. You need to plug them properly. And if there's anything, you know, a rider can learn it is how to plug their sponsors. Oh, for sure. Like, uh, rather than, uh, this is, uh, like, I don't, I wouldn't say that, uh, Trey Kennard exactly does this, but rather than uh, a guy like Trey Kennard just saying, fly racing if he just even one time said you know i can't believe how light this fly racing jersey is kept me right. kept me cool the whole moto 
right. If you exactly. was to say it one time, that would yep. do more than than just listing it off. Because you're right, yep. guys like myself, guys like the other guy, the, the other people who have seen all these races, they know who's wearing what. Uh, it becomes white noise. It's background noise to uh, like it's the tail end of. Uh, every single interview, it seems like it's just like, all right, like your brain knows to not listen to this portion because it's just going to be a list of, uh, of sponsors and stuff like that. Um, great, great little, little tidbit there. Yeah. Yeah. And this is exact, uh, example of that would be, you know, I was at the Fox, uh, tower all, a lot of times down at Loretta's and, uh, I was talking with a rep and they, he was showing me the new seven gram Jersey that they have. It's incredible. It's like, you're not wearing a Jersey. The material is so thin. It's so light and it's so breathable that it's, you don't, you're not even wearing it. It's like, it's like you're wearing your skin with a light covering over it. It's, uh, you can't, I can't even imagine. I'm, you know, I'm hoping, you know, obviously Dungey and Roxton and all these guys are wearing it now, but you know, it's going to be released, uh, probably very soon. And, you know, everyone's going to enjoy being able to wear that because it's, you know, it's basically you're, you're shirtless and it's breathing. You're not going to get as hot. So yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hoping and begging that we're going to get set up for the, for the motocross of nation. So it's, uh, you know, they're, they've always taken care of me. They're great people and, uh, very appreciative of, of all the help they've given me. For sure, man. Well, uh, as usual, it's been a pleasure. I wish you all the best of luck at uh, the Legends Race, as well as uh, a couple weeks down the road over there in uh, in Europe, in England. Um, I'd love for you to come back on after that experience to uh, give us a lowdown on some pretty trick bikes across the pond. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I actually just got a new GoPro, uh, Hero 4, so I'm going to be... Uh, videoing it and i'm also gonna be shooting a bunch of pictures so i'll try and get some some pictures of a bunch of trick bikes that i can send to you and so you can post them and then hopefully i should have some video coverage of you know the majority of everything i plan on i'm going to bring like five 64 bit micro sd cards so i can just i'm going to just overload on video so it's a it's a once in a lifetime kind of deal so you definitely you definitely got to take advantage of it so Perfect, man. Well, uh, you experience it, send it over, and uh, and I'll make sure uh, that we share it with the world. All right. I appreciate it, and thank you very much for having me on. Cool, man. I'll uh, get to editing. I'll talk to you in a bit. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.